Hi everyone, this is Lead Her Shift and we are currently here talking to Francoise. I can't wait to have this conversation. She's one of the other dynamic women I look forward to having this conversation with about leadership. She has a myriad of experience. I know it, you're gonna soon know it. And I look forward to her sharing, but also us learning together in this space. So Francoise, how are you? How's everything Hi. going? COVID Thanks is happening. Me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm doing well. It's a bit late. I live in Morocco. It's uh, at 9.30 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I decided to keep my last bits of freshness for you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, thank you so much so, for that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm hiding from my kids. Everything is fine. <laughs> I think, maybe not just, don't let me say that. Anywho, um... <laughs> So tell me a little bit about Francoise. Who is Francoise? So my name is uh, Francoise Moudoute. The things I can say about me, the first is that I'm African. Uh, so I am from Cameroon. Uh, I've lived across uh, different places in the world, but Cameroon is home for me. I, uh, I, I'm also French. I spent quite a, a bit of my, my life in France. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, and uh, I haven't lived in France for the past twelve years. Okay. Um, so I, I'm kind of back on the continent. I spent uh, seven years in um, Senegal, and uh, for the past two years or so, I've been in Morocco. So I'm exploring the continent, uh, and I am a, I'm a feminist. It's the second thing. I should say uh, I'm a feminist activist. I have worked in women's rights organization uh, for almost all of my career. And now I am embracing the consulting life, uh, <laughs> which is a great way for me to work on different women's rights issues without the constraints of having to embrace a party line that will come from any organization. Mm. And uh, lastly, but really not least, I am the founder of a platform that's called Eyala. Eyala. Uh, it's, a, it's a platform that explores what it means to African women when they call themselves feminists today. Mm. So it's a bit like what you're doing. I'm having a lot of conversations. It's a really a conversation-based platform where I mm -hmm. speak to a myriad of women uh, from across uh, the continent and in the diaspora and basically asking them, what does that mean when you call yourself a feminist? So we talk about it, but from a place of experience, not expertise. So we talk about their journeys, we talk about um, the, the way they embody feminist values in their daily lives. And we do that as one-to-one as one, one, one interviews, the way you're doing now, but mm -hmm. also have like spaces that are called sister circles, where we come together physically Right. So COVID has been a bummer, <laughs> but uh, we come together physically and we have like really powerful, uh, vulnerable discussions about who we are and why we do what we do. Wow. I think, so firstly, that's amazing. Um, because oftentimes I, I find that just generally, I feel like women don't often have safe places or safe spaces, even girls, um, where they can be a sisterhood or a community to have these conversations and be more open and get support, not only just advice, but support and mentorship. So 
well done on that. <laughs> um, but why? Like why? I mean, they're 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 professionals all over the world doing amazing things, and they don't come up with these different ideas. They don't they don't launch off to build community in that way. What what sparked that for you? For Ayana, for me, there was two things. So I was working in an uh, NGO, mm-hmm. and I was working with amazing African activists from mm. across the continent, working in different issues. We're all working together to end child marriage. So I was kind of coordinating our advocacy. And I was like, this is so amazing. and so many of them. And it, it really, every day I looked at them and I was like, this right here challenges everything you are hearing every day about us as African women. What we mm. hear about African women is that we are victims, we need help from outside, uh, from the West, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, to, 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 uh, to kind of just to claim our rights, we need support. What I was seeing every day is women who were leading that, mm. uh, that, that, that fight for our rights. And I was just like, that first of all, that alone is something that we need to put out there, saying we don't need external initiative. To right. That was my first thing. And I felt like we don't hear that enough. Mm. Uh, and when we do hear African feminists speak, we hear them from a position of expertise. Like they have to perform their expertise. So they either have two minutes that CNN kindly gave them to make a point because something happened in the world. Sure. Or they have 10 minutes, uh, uh, 8 to 12 specifically, in a conference to present their expertise. Mm. So I, had, I had listened to these women in that uh, format. And I became over the years extremely frustrated because I, was, I, was, I wanted to have other conversations with them. Right. And I wanted to ask about, you know, like, so this feminism thing, like how does it happen when you're not at work? Why do you care so much? Why do you do what you do? Like what, you know, what brought you in this room? And this conversation, they do happen. When we come together, we go to the conferences and the best conversations are happening at the buffet during the lunch break. Mm. Because this is where it's happening, right? Yeah. But the problem is it's not on the agenda. So it's completely uh. ad hoc. It's completely random. And I was like, I want, this is what I'm living for right now. So I go to the conference and I'm like, forget about the main program. I'm here for the lunch break. You know, like I yeah, want yeah, the yeah. lunch break conversations. And I thought, what if we just had those conversations? Because each of, each of these conversations were so nourishing for me, mm. nurturing me, like just things like how do you handle the how of the why and the how we do things. For right. me, it was really becoming bigger for me in terms of an obsession. And I was like, I just want to have these conversations. And then I said, if I need them, maybe some others need them as well. So right. I wanted to, to do it. And then the more I did it, the more I realized it's not just a conversation. We also need the spaces. That's what mm. I was feeling. And so from then on, I was just responding to the needs. People were saying, we need more, we need more. And I was trying to do more. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do. Uh, mm. and, uh, and so, yeah, I guess it came, it came out of uh, frustration and right. a strong, strong need for community. And, and so for you, because this, the term feminist and feminism and 
feminist activists and and all these terms that we often identify with can be misinterpreted or misunderstood so for you from all you've learned from the conversations you've had from the different women in your life what would you say feminism means to you yeah i like the way you asked the question because uh it's what it means to me because what I have learned is that it means many different things for many different women. Different people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So for me, I think um, the way I see it, that it means different things, but they all come together. The first thing is, uh, is I see, I acknowledge that uh, the way the world is set up is really set up for women to fail. Right? Mm. So and that it is not like an individual thing, it's a system thing, right? So right. I, just, I just look out there and I'm like, mm, you know, this game is rigged and it's rigged against us as well. Mm. Second thing for me uh, is that I decide that I want to do something about it. So for me, my feminism is like an action. So I'm like, okay, what can I do about this? Mm. Uh, so I decide that I want to take action. The third part of the definition for me is that I realize that action I want to take is not individual. Like I need to mm. be in I community. Be, yeah, in community to do this because basically the work is too much. Like the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is everywhere, so creative, so apt at reinventing itself and we cannot take it on alone, right? So. I feel like I need to be in a movement. I, I don't feel like it's just about like what I do in my home or what I do with my friends. And then the last piece of it is like, because I'm in a movement, I don't want to just take, it's not just a movement of like, we come together for collective action. It's, right. a, it's a movement of sisterhood as well. So that's where like nurturing the community in itself. Uh, and that's where my work with Ayala really fo- uh, is focused on. Is like this. This is not just oh, we're going to do joint advocacy, or we're going to sign on the same letter, or we're going to protest together. It's like right. we hold each other. So I, I, a lot of my practice of feminism is a practice of sisterhood. It's massively important for me uh, that we we don't just work together, but that we hold each other. Right hold each other so let's take a step back for a minute um aside from all your work aside from all the things that you've been doing i know your consultancy what's some fun facts outside of all of that what's some fun facts about you that many people may not even know uh well um i think what people don't know about me uh, is that um, I love to sing. I love to sing. Oh. That's something that, yeah, it's something that uh, maybe if I didn't have African parents, I'd be a singer right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. That's probably not true. But I do, I do love to sing and uh, I don't do enough of it. Uh, but from time to time, you will find me uh, on a stage nice. singing something. That's yeah, good that's to know. know. Yeah, that's something people don't know about me, I have to say. Wow. Who would have thought? Francois right? Singer. <laughs> and has that ever had any influence? So you might 
you might love singing, but in terms of music, has that had any influence on you as a, a woman or as an individual or even as a leader in the different roles that you've ever had? I would say that the singing, um, uh, because I used to sing, I, I, I used to sing a lot as a teenager. I was in a gospel choir in France. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it, it, it did uh, play a role in my leadership kind of journey. I was very young still, but you know how they're like, oh, oh you have a good voice, you, take, you should take on a solo. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't, what? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I think what I learned then is that a solo, and something that is, it's something that I'm still carrying today that I learned at that age, is that a solo is not you being in front of the stage so that you, like, put the spotlight on you. Right. When I started doing the solos, I realized you do a solo, what you do is you don't lead when you do a solo. You lead by serving. Like you may be in mm. the front, but your solo is not is only as good as how you can be on in sync with the rest of the choir, right? Right. So when I, I started, I was like, oh, a solo that I'm going to be a star. Uh, I just, I can't deal with this. But actually, I realized... Much pressure. I, <laughs> I was like the my solos actually I realized um when you do a solo it's like you have people backing you up mm. and what you do is not like sit on what they give you to magnify yourself right. it's like hearing what they're saying and just you know you know lifting the collective voice and that's something that I mean I didn't articulate that's it a, like, that's you know, a good way I to look at it yeah. I didn't have any of those words in my head but I did feel every time I did a solo I felt like not um, I, felt, I never felt like I was out of the group or in front of the group or at the, at the head of the group I felt like I was in the group playing a particular role but you know I mean I guess we will call it like leading from behind i guess which yeah. is not exactly the case because actually you're in front but <laughs> what I yeah, mean yeah. Is like, you know it's not leadership is not about you leadership mm-hmm. is how much you are in the group i think i learned that lesson from singing quite early oh that is so powerful um and that was gonna lead right to my question of what do you think leadership is or even if you think or see yourself as a leader because i know they're there are many women and, and professionals in general who have had amazing careers, have, have done amazing projects and championed different ideas and done all these different things, but don't see themselves as leaders. What's your, what's your thought on that specifically? And why do you think persons may not even see themselves as a leader? It's, it's so funny that you're saying this because literally this morning, I was having a, a chat with a friend because I'm redoing my CV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, you know how you put a title in your CV? You put your name, you put the title. I was like, I'm not going to say, like, you know, gender experts. Yeah. And she was like, you need to put Pan-African feminist leader. I was like, girl, wait. <laughs> you know, I just feel like, I think this is a bit too much. Yeah. And, and she was like, well, are you not a Pan-African? Yes. Are you feminist? Yes. Are you a leader? Yes, I was yes. like, am I? And there I think go. on this leader, I was like, oh, I think that the question I asked myself is like, 
is if leader is something that you claim do you claim mm. it or somebody gives it to you you know like and and then as i'm saying mm. this i'm like am i being modest because you know i'm a woman and women do this or am i really like uh, you know so i think maybe part of maybe part of the the answer to your question is like why people don't claim it yeah. i think that part of it is like we are just like socialized to be to make ourselves small to be honest but also we feel like leadership is something i i certainly feel a bit uncomfortable about calling myself a leader but if somebody will call me a leader because i've played a role in their movement or in their life of leadership then i'll take it so as long as, long as i haven't received it i'm not going to go and claim it and honestly i don't know if it's right honestly yeah. i don't know some part of it i'm like you know maybe it's just me replicating uh the things that patriarchy has, mm. has put on us of being humble and humble for what you know yeah but i just don't know it doesn't feel natural <laughs> to be honest it doesn't feel natural honestly when you said you said something there that really struck with me you said is leader something you even claim? And that kind of hit me hard in the sense that, you know, like I always hear this saying, you know, if you're rich, why do you need to say, or, you know, like, why is it necessary to actually say it out loud or put that as your title, so mm-hmm. to speak? Or is it more something that persons assign to you based on what you've done for them or how you serve them? And to me, that's powerful. But I never really thought of it that way. Well, so no, it has me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I, so for me, I just feel like, as I said earlier, I mean, leadership is not something to do for yourself. There's right. no leader without a community. Yes. Right? You're not, it's, a, it's like people who call themselves influence. Like, who told you you influence them? Yes, you know? that's <laughs> it. I love that oh. you have a lot of people telling you you have influence. You are not an influencer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's exactly the same for leadership because leadership is about community. And you right. asked me about my, my understanding of leadership, my definition of leadership. For me, leadership is very much about serving so service and community. It really, so for me, it's like, it's like identifying a community, which could be a community as a family, it could be a community of, of uh, activists in my case. Uh, and I'm so, fo- for me, I don't call myself a leader because I'm so focused on serving, you know, uh, that I don't think about leadership. Uh, mm the way it is typically you know seen or yeah Yeah. but 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 then even by your definition it 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 does mean you are a leader but you then you don't necessarily have to say it in order to claim it if that makes sense you see what i'm saying yes you're i'm telling you (laughs) no you're a leader okay (laughs) if you give it to me i'm not saying no thank you very much so do I put it on my CV or what? Because this yes, <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Um, <laughs> so sorry. So 
this is such an interesting way or spin to look at it and i appreciate i appreciate your take on that because honestly i don't think anyone has said that in that way that i've i've spoken to of recent so far um and then that that then leads me to the next question of what pushes you to want to serve like what is it that what is it you're holding to to push you to serve others where did that even stem from or come from for you um that's not an easy question i think uh i think it's just who i am i Mm. i'm trying to like i was trying to think as you were asking the question where did I, where did it start? I don't yeah. know a moment when it starts. It started. Mm. I just feel like as a very young child, there's two things that happened. One was that I I was a, a, a privileged kid, like a middle class Cameroonian child living in urban, you know, space with like, you know, middle class parents, you know, going to a good school, all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think my mom did an exceptionally good job of telling me I didn't deserve any of it. That she mm. was always pointing out the privilege without using that word. But she was like, you know how kids are like, this is my car. She's like, you don't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> I have a car. You're invited in my car. Be quiet and be clean. But she was like, you know, she was like, and she was also telling me, you know, as I would go to school, I specifically remember going to school and my mom would be, you know, your cousin, you know, who is in this house that you, you know, drive past as you go to school. She's not going to school. She's sweeping the front of the house. She's going to be doing like, you know, mm. like cleaning all day. And you are from the same family. You don't deserve right. what you have. And she doesn't deserve not to be in this situation. So right. I had always this thing, and she would then also tell me, you know, this thing, it's, you know, life is not fair, but that's not right. So we have to do something about it. Right. My mother was not an activist. I wouldn't think of my mom as an activist, but she was, you know, like doing things for the community. She's, I've always seen her, you know, like she would take me, uh, she was volunteering in an orphanage, and as soon as I was, you know, uh, you know, old enough to help other kids to read, she'd be like, hey, <laughs> come in, you know, let's go. So I kind of felt like service was, you know how people, I think there's this quote that says uh, that uh, service is what, it's like the rent I pay for, mm. for you know, being a lab. So for me, it was always like clear uh, that, you know, I don't, I never ask my question, so how am I going to enjoy the things that I didn't deserve is like, mm. how do I make sure that what I have by accident is not an accident, but it's a basic right for everybody. So I always yeah. thought like um, So I guess that's where it, it all came from. So very early on, people would ask me, so what do you want to do when you, when you grow up? And I always knew I didn't want to go in the private sector. It was mm. very clear to me, I think before I was even 10, I was like, maybe I want to advocate for truth, so be a journalist. And then my mom said, you know, journalists lie a lot. So I decided not to do that. Uh, you know, but things like that, I was like, I was really about exposing injustice or mm. fighting. And, and then, yeah. So I guess I could, I could credit it to my mom somehow, 
Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, would so then would you say, like, the first leader you ever was influenced by would be your mom? Yeah, my mom certainly, because I saw her really up close, but also my... Uh, so there have been many leaders in, uh, in my, that I've been able to observe in my immediate family. So my dad is uh, actually a chief of village. Right. Um, and, um, and it was so interesting, you know, like the notion of community, of family, you know, mm. uh, what it looked like. My dad, the moment he became chief, like basically the house would open, was open from 5 a.m. People would be like, kong, 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 <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have uh, this issue, I need to talk to the chief. And you're like, you know, people are sleeping. But you know, like, it's open house, you know, like having this sense of, you know, so I, I saw my dad, what leadership meant to him. And my grandfather right. uh, was a pastor. Uh, mm. And so he was like such a strong pillar in, in that community where I would go and spend my holiday with him. And but his wife, my grandmother, was also a leader, but so quiet. Mm. so like you know those quiet leaders like but she drew people to her with kindness mm. while, and kindness and like service and nurturing while and she would hardly ever say a word like I don't I don't remember so easily the sound of her voice right but my grandfather was he was really tall like he was like the, you know the pastor, you know in the village, you know like his yeah, his voice is what is his. So I've I've observed it would like project many, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen leadership. Uh, I've I've grown up, you know, surrounded by so many leaders, and yes, my mother was one of them, but not but not really somebody who would call herself a leader either. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've certainly seen a lot of of leadership very early on. Mm. And I, I, I like the, cause honestly, there's many leaders that you might see over time or especially as a child, maybe mm. not even recognizing that they are leaders, but definitely an authority figure in your life. Right. And at no point, if I think, if I truly think about it at no point, can I even say that I heard those leaders calling themselves leaders? you know, unless you were like in politics or something like that, like you didn't necessarily see community leaders say they were leaders. Right. And, um, but you just knew. So like, even how you said, like your grandmother, she was the quiet leader, but she would still influence and do that with care and love versus your grandfather who was more the pastor and would be vibrant and project. And, it showed you different sides of how you can be as a leader, but I don't think any of them would ever call themselves that. So know that you say, I, I, I resonate with that, honestly, because in a way you can't really be a leader if others aren't following or aren't influenced by you. So calling yeah. yourself that without a following doesn't really make sense. Yeah. As you said this just now, it's really funny. I was thinking, those leaders I just spoke about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I take my grandfather and my father, the men, they would call themselves leaders, I think, if you ask them. Ah. My dad, currently, if you ask him if he's a leader, he'd be like, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> However, the women 
on that on that list? Probably wouldn't. And and so that's then so interesting, isn't it? So that's that? it, but that's the, so there you go. So you in a sense see what you even might be mirroring. You Possibly. see? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But then it 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 brings about that question of then why don't women step up? Why why are women more likely to say no? I don't I don't see my I don't think I'm a leader. Like why why do you think that is? Is it cultural? Is it you know something you've just seen over over time in history? Like why do you think we don't be more assertive about our stance on leadership? I think in general. <clears throat> Uh, women are socialized mm. to to be quiet, mm. to be to not take up space. You know, I mean, you know, right. I think the not only uh, I mean the society is like that. We live in a so such a patriarchal society. Mm. Um, I think it's it's one of these things where. This, as I said, it's a system thing, you know, like we are made from day one to know our place. Mm. And a woman's place by, uh, by the lens of the patriarchy is not in leadership. Yeah. And, mm. and, 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 you know, there's a lot of things that we say, you know, where I come from, be like, you know, we, women can be leaders in the home. Yeah. men and <laughs> leaders, but they are the leaders that are behind, you know. I think like this idea that women take up space uh, is something that has been just drilled out of our minds. It's just like not a possibility from the from the, the way from like day one. Right. Day one, you know. So the way we are raised, the way we are taught to have things at school. The options that are presented to us, to us yeah. you know, like modesty is uh, is one of those tools. Uh, humility, like the, the the pressure to be humble, the pressure to be small, you know, mm. as some of those tools that patriarchy has just been using, and and they have been passed on, you know, yeah. by but in so many ways. So for for us to say, I take up space, I am a leader. You know, you have to go against all the voices that you yeah. know will tell you. But who do you think you are? To yeah. Claim that? And yeah. So, and it's not easy. I think. I think yeah. there's a part of that. I think it's. <laughs> I think we are making progress, but yeah. I don't. I don't think we are even anywhere close to yeah, where absolutely. it could be. Because um, look at the way men don't care. Yeah. So a man will be a tenth of a leader and be like banging all the pots in the house saying he's a leader. A woman will be, you know, 120% of the leader she needs to be for a particular position in community at work. And she'll, she'll still be hiding. She's like, please don't give me, please don't call me a leader. I don't know yeah, what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. what that, where that, you know, I know history plays a part, systems plays a part, but I'm wondering, like, you know, even when women are in the position, are in in 
in the role, so to speak, there's still not a belief. Um, there's a lack of confidence there, et cetera. And I'm wondering if, because even down to like, you know, there's so many women I've spoken to who would say, should I go forward for that promotion? Like, should I even ask for more money? Um, whereas a man, on the other hand, he's going to be first. But at the same time, the woman is already starting from behind because she's already not being paid what she should be anyway. <laughs> you know, even though she might be doing the same role. So I just, there's so many different ways that the shift has to occur. But I yeah. think one of the major ways is that women themselves have to believe. Just believe. Because I think women are one of the most influential um, parts of the human species, honestly. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we do, I think you're right, we have to believe. Uh, but I, no, I agree, we have to believe it, but we don't believe what we don't see. Yeah. Mm. We don't believe it if we don't have the role models. Yeah. We don't believe it if we don't have, like, people in our lives yeah. who are telling us to not believe to believe that and not to believe the things that we've heard all of our entire lives. Yeah. Right? So. I was, so, I, it, yeah. it's funny you say that because I had an interview with um, another, another guest on the show and they had this, this thing where they were saying, you know, your thoughts turn into feelings and then your feelings turn into action. So obviously if you don't think you are a leader, then you're not necessarily going to feel or believe that you are a leader. And as a result, you won't necessarily act. <laughs> you know, you won't yeah. act as, and I don't even want to say as a leader, because leadership is not about acting, but more so portray it in your daily presence, I would, yeah. I would say. Um, this is awesome. So, Francois 2020. Talk to us about where you're at now, what you have going on, and how are you leading today? So today I am, through Ayala, a lot of my leading is leading through listening. So I do a lot of listening, and it turns out I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm typically... Uh, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit of a reserved person. I mean, if you kept me talking the way we are now, I'm not going to shut up. But uh, in a room, uh, I'm typically the last person to just to speak. You know, mm. like so, as you know. <laughs> uh, I, and um, so I love to listen, and I've been listening uh, to to women. I love doing the interviews uh, that I do on ALA. Uh and uh, and for me, listening is also my my favorite way to learn. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of listening and uh, also amplifying. I don't believe in this um, in this idea that there are voiceless people and that other people need to be the voice of the voiceless. Mm. I feel like everybody has. A, I just I just don't even know where this phrase is coming from. Yeah. I think everybody has a voice. The question is, who do you listen to, and right. whose voice do you amplify? So I feel like my leadership. If I, yeah, if I may call it this way, is a leadership that decides to 
to amplify, to listen and to amplify. Right. And also, um, I also love le uh, leading by convening. So getting people in the room, like, and giving them, telling them it's okay to have the converse, that, that, that other type of conversation. Wow. Let's, let's just go for it, you know? So I remember right. when the first time I did a, a sister circle was on the side of a, of a big conference that we had all been there, jet lagged, running around in our power suits and our high heels and, you know, in this room full of, you know, uh, our bosses, our donors, you know, we're all there. And it was all on the last, I think the, the last day or the day before. And, and I had created this space. I had a whole agenda. And, and then I was so tired. So just, I think maybe two hours before I called the guy and I was like, you know, just change the whole setting. Take out mm. the tables, just put a circle. And then we're gonna have a circle. And I just told everybody, you know what? It's been a rough week. Mm. We've been performing. Rather, it's just us. It was a room, like my favorite kind of room, a room full of African women. Mm. And it's just like, and just like, you know what? I took my shoes off. I'm like, ladies, we are tired. Mm. <laughs> it's just us. Let's cut all the performance and just talk about what we are feeling how we want to just show up the way you want to show up by the, you know, within the 30 minutes, people had taken off their shoes oh, no. on the floor, eating chicken, you know, it was so beautiful. I just loved it. And I think I love, I love those kind of spaces because when you take off that pressure to perform, uh, that's where you meet people for who they really are and right. them showing you what they think you need. You to want to see. see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and so the, the day I did that, it, it was really one of those days that my life changed. Like I could feel my life shift and thinking, you know, when you do something and you're like, I have had moments like this in my life where I'm like, something is happening. I see myself doing something and I know that I, I had not planned this this way, but I mm. just did something that will change me forever. Yeah, and this was I will I will never never forget this day for that because I yeah. realized this is a space that women need. It's a space that I need. It's a space that I know how to get people into. So this is my contribution. Mm. Yeah. And I I love that. It's not only about creating that space, but creating something that is authentically absolutely everybody like you know everybody could just literally i like how you said you know taking away the pressure and not feeling like you have to perform you know yeah. look a certain way and be a certain way and just be yeah Full stop. because what you said earlier well i think it's very accurate when you said um i think you said something like you know women can't feel see themselves being leaders because we see leadership as a performance yeah you know, when mm. they give you a textbook of what a leader is, you know, it's like how to be a leader. Like those books are, writ are written by white yeah. men for white men. Yeah. So you are here trying to find yourself like what kind of looks like you in those pages, but you don't belong in those pages. How many books about leadership have you seen written by black women mm. who are not American? 
Because me, I'm still looking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was, I I'm sit back and I was like, wait, hang on. I'm still looking, you know. I'm, I so don't think I've course, ever found I, you one. read the book by Oprah, you know. Yeah. Okay, great, but yeah. you know, there's so many layers of between. Be, I mean, it's it's just I know you know the experience at Universal, but not fully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just feel like I I love I just love feminist leaders being themselves. Mm. It's just like and also everything. not feeling like you have to conform to right. the Western way of doing anything. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. I think we have a similarity in many ways um, in terms of the perception that work must be done a certain way. Even you as a professional need to do things a certain way, how you, how you work, how you interact, how you entertain yourself, what, what circles you, you surround yourself with. There's this perception that it must be done a certain way if you're going to fit in. Right. You know, or if you're going to create these opportunities for yourself, you have to do it in this way. And, I don't think I agree with that because I I would say in all the opportunities I've ever had, honestly, none of them have come in, in the most traditional way as everyone mm. expects them to. Um, so for you, when it comes to things like success, when it comes to being a successful individual or professional or even successful woman like what does that mean for you and have you reached it is it something you're still moving towards is it a constant thing that you're shifting it's so interesting because my definition of success has shifted Mm. drastically Mm. in the past few years Uh, I grew up to be uh, it's so interesting. My, I, I'm, I'm about, I mean, not about, but this year I'll be 35. Uh, right. So, uh, and I would say that for the first, maybe at least the first 25 to 28 years of my life, I was your box checker. I was like, you know, first of all, <laughs> so I, you know, like I, I was, first of all, I always say this, I was not raised to be somebody's wife. Or somebody's mm. other. My parents raised me to be somebody's boss. You know, yeah. so their parents were like, "All I'm asking, get out of my kitchen, just go and do your homework." I, you mm. know, and my parents are like, "Oh, you can't cook? How come?" I'm like, "How come?" You know, but really, they were like, "Go and do your reading, go and do your homework, all of those things, right?" So I was, and then I grew, and then I went to France when I was a teenager, and you know, like any typical immigrant kid. What you are told is uh, you have to work five times more as hard, or yeah, or ten as hard to get half of what all the white kids are going to get just by virtue of being. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So sorry, I'm a bit distracted because it smells of smoke in my house. <laughs> sorry. I don't know what's going on. Okay, I'm going to trust that uh, I'm not. My house is not on fire. I'm sure. <laughs> I hope not. Firstly, but I'm sure not. <laughs> but uh, because I'm not the only one, so somebody else has a nose. So I'm hoping this is this is going to be fine. Um, 
so yeah, I was going to say I I was really uh, groomed for success that was success in a very traditional, uh, you know, very Western, yeah, uh, you know, very capitalistic uh, definition, uh, and that's what I did for most of my life. And and I remember, so I was very I've grown to be very obsessed with work and and. Right. Uh, with excellence in particular. That's, I was, I was literally groomed for performance. And then something happened. A couple of things happened in the past 10 years, I would say. Uh, one of them was, um, I found myself making uh, decisions that were not fitting that model, just because mm. my heart was there. So for example, uh, I remember I was working I was very, I was, it was my first paid job, but it was like a big job, you know, I was so, I was like living my best life. I was in London, I was working for the elders, I was helping uh, the, the elders, uh, people like, you know, Desmond Tutu or Grasa Michelle, or I was helping them, you know, doing campaigning on child wow. marriage. For nice. child marriage. I was like living the life, <laughs> you know, and then I fell in love. And at mm. some point I had to, I just felt like it's the, it, you know, I, I mean, this now my now husband, uh, I just, he was moving to Senegal and I was like, so how am I going to do it? took me nine months to realize that it's the stupidest things by my rules, mm. but that is where my heart is that I need to give this relationship a shot. Right. And I was like, Okay, I quit my job. My dad, like literally, my dad almost disowned me. He was like, he couldn't even oh, talk to no. me. He would call my mom. He's like, please, please come and talk to your daughter. Talk to her. <laughs> I can't deal with this. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. I, but I remember, I mean, I'm not saying people should quit their jobs to follow a man. Eh? I'm not saying this at all. But I'm saying, for the first time in my life, I made a decision that didn't make sense, but felt right. Mm. And it was one of the best decisions I've made. Mm. Uh, and I think it would have still been one of the best decisions I would have made, even if this relationship had ended after two months. Right. Because I was like, this, so this is what it feels like to do what is right by your mm. heart and not by the book. The know? book, yeah. And then other things happen is that, so I, but, you know, I came back and then I continued to like, you do what I was supposed to do and work and, and, uh, and a couple of years, maybe five years later, I burnt out severely. Right. I was exhausted trying to be, uh, the perfect manager, uh, the, you know, one woman team, you yeah. know, do everything, go everywhere, speak everywhere, you know, like do all the work, you know, my code manage people because you're so obsessed with success that you don't trust others. I did all of these things. Mm. And I had months and months when my body was telling me, go, you need to sit down. Yeah. And I didn't listen. And I didn't listen because I grew up with a mother who would tell me, there's this phrase in French uh, that is, says, um, uh, le travail c'est la société. It's like work is health. I don't know mm. if it's a phrase as well so my mom would say this phrase to me at least once a day so when work made me sick I didn't understand that what was happening I thought I was right. just tired that my back was just hurting I couldn't sleep I just thought you know like 
But before I understood, I was really, really, really burning up. I was like almost completely burnt. Wow. And it took for me to to have a massive, um, how do you say that, episode of uh, memory loss. Right. That I was like, hey, this thing. Yeah. (laughs) This thing is bad. That must be scary though. It was so scary because somebody asked me, how was your weekend? And I was like, I don't know. What? What Yeah, yeah. And I remember asking somebody, do you remember what I asked my husband? Like, you know, do you remember what I told you I did this weekend? And he started like, of course. And I I just crumpled. I started crying Mm. for, I just, it just, everything just got together in my head being like, you've been ignoring all the signals that your body has been telling you. Why? Because of what? Because you want to tick the box. Yeah. And, And that was also another, you know, uh really big change because i mean a few months after that i had quit that job which was a fantastic another fantastic job that i loved um and within a few months i had dropped it and i i started uh, working on ayala instead and being a consultant so i can say no and honestly it's still difficult you know because my natural instinct is to go to to try and do everything, to be everything, you know, yeah. because that, you know, but I think what I'm learning uh, from all of that is, so I'm trying to remember what the question is that you're asking initially. I mean, but, <laughs> but you, you, you are answering it because even, even the last statement you said, when you said, you know, I, I quit that job and started Ayala so that I could say no. Yeah. And to me, that's, you know, if, if you're going to define different stages of your success, that in and of itself is a stage that you committed to yourself to knowing when to say no, but having an environment or a life where you can, if yeah. you need to. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think when it comes to success, uh, that's what I, because I had a point when I was saying all of this. <laughs> I think the point I was trying to make is that the way I define success now is so completely different because for me, success is being able to do to say yes to you first, right? Yeah, and, and so I've learned to say yes. So, because Ayala was this idea that I had in the back of my head, but I never had time for it because I was busy. You know, like I was doing the rat race, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just felt like, you know, there's this thing I really want to do. I really want to do this. Let me say yes to what I want instead of saying yes to what I think I have to do. Because, mm. because that's what success looks like. And so I felt in a way, since then, it's been a very <laughs> difficult journey because Ayala is a one-woman show. I do everything on my own. Um, but I still, and I, I have a lot of moments where I feel I'm not doing enough, I'm crunching below my weight, you know, but I still never feel not successful because I'm doing it for, I'm doing, I'm saying yes to me. Yeah. Right. I'm saying yes to me and not in a way that is, self-glorifying but mm-hmm. you know that, that i'm able to say yes to me 
and still serve the community, the community, that, yeah, the community of, of feminist activists that I'm dedicated to. Like, isn't that success? I don't yeah. go around every day calling myself successful. Tell me, tell me. But that's the thing. Okay. I don't think most successful people walk around just, you know, <laughs> saying that. Yeah. But I think it is a form of success. And even if it isn't everything that you might be hoping for, hmm. it's it's everything that you need right now. And I think that's yeah. part of the success, you know. And so as we start to wrap up, I know there's because I feel like we could talk for another hour by the way p.s <laughs> but as we start to wrap up i know there are a lot of people out there who are thinking about was their next move no kind of curious about how their career is going to blossom and mm-hmm. and are might be just in a position that you are in where they felt they feel like you know they might be in a career and not sure if it's serving them and not sure if it's really fulfilling their level of success. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of advice that you would give to them right now? Just something or some action that they can take right now that can help them to either shift in wherever they would, would like to go or adjust how they're seeing their next step. I'm going to give the advice I wish I had received. <laughs> mm. uh, maybe 10 years ago is uh, to, you know, we have different voices in our heads, you know, like in, uh, and, and I think I, I wish I had learned earlier to know who is speaking. That mm. When I'm saying, Oh, I should do this. Is it me saying this? Is it the voice of the people who have told me that work is health and that I, w- I should work myself Mm. Uh, to them Mm. Uh, like is it the system who is telling me um to i should be humble and not go for this job because it's too big for me Mm. like who are you listening to in your head and just decide to identify the voice that is really yours and listen to that one first you can never yourself from hearing the other ones but the one you really want to listen to first is that one yeah people call it whatever but i think that voice that is you the other voices are not you listen to that voice first and then 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 and then of course you need to have the the bravery to follow what this voice follow is through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because that voice is insanely bold sometimes. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um but that voice for me, like to be able to listen to that voice is, is done wonders for me, really. Uh, it, I've made the scariest decisions, but they turned out to be decisions I can live, even when they, it goes south, because it's my decision. Like I decided I wasn't, mm. I wasn't trying to impress. I was just trying to be me. That's amazing. That that advice is actually. I'm gonna take that advice myself. <laughs> by the way, I need to take it because I need to take it on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for honestly, the reminder. <laughs> but that's amazing. Thank you so much, Francoise. This has actually you've 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 kind of taught me a different way of looking at different things, and 
it's helping me to reevaluate even how I see some things. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for jumping on to leadership. Thank you for being a part of this family. Um, maybe we'll catch up sometime again because I feel yeah, like we can add so much to what we've discussed already. So thank you so much. And until next time, guys, this has been Leadership and we'll soon be hearing this episode soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course. <laughs>